0: Hi, I am Clem Pinlock.
1: I'm Aya
0: Welcome to Inquisiti, a podcast about questions on architecture, city, and people. Welcome to Inquisiti, podcast about architecture, city, and people. I am Clem luck
1: And I am Aya So
0: the pandemic has put the world on stop, on hold, and it has uh, affected a lot of businesses, the entertainment industry, basically the lives of people all over the world. Although a lot of things stopped, there are some few industries and activities that still carried on. And one of those would be learning and education. And I myself, I and I personally experienced that being educated towards ourselves. That is true here in the Philippines since we carry on with distance learning. And it is the same with studying abroad. On this episode, we try to hear about the experience of a Filipino who's studying abroad, his own personal experience, especially in the middle of the pandemic. So how is it like studying abroad during the pandemic? Our guest for today is a Filipino architect who is presently living in Milan as he takes his master's degree in lighting design and technology at Politecnico di Milano. Welcome, Sardala. Hello.
2: <laughs> hi. Hi guys. Hi Clem.
0: Hi. hi. hi Thank you for having me, Julio. <laughs> Hello. So, you're living in Milan like now. So, before we we talk about the life in the middle of pandemic, we would like to hear from your experience your own story on how did you end up in milan and why Um, did you take that degree okay so
2: why did i study lighting design um it's always been a fascination of mine ever since undergrad and it was something that i i don't know like stumbled upon like lighting design because it wasn't really taught in undergrad. So when I heard about it, I was really more interested about it. And then fast forward to a couple of years later, I was working in a studio in Manila. And then we had a big project where we had to collaborate with a lighting designer based in Manila, which I didn't know existed. I mean, I'm so ignorant that I didn't know that there were actually lighting designers in Manila. So when I was working with them, I became really more interested about it. So I decided to... Like, you know, check out, like, okay, how can I become a lighting designer? So I searched for universities abroad because in the Philippines, it's non-existent, basically. Um, so I searched for universities. Uh, one of them was Polytechnico de Milano. And I ended up here because, I mean, let's be honest, uh, among all of the other courses or universities, I found Politecnico <laughs> was the most affordable one. <laughs> So, I mean, we have to be real because the others were like thrice the price of Politecnico and I could not afford that. So, and besides, uh, Politecnico is actually top university here in Italy and in Europe in terms of architecture and design. So why not? So that's why I'm here.
1: (laughs) So you've been in um, Milan for Mm -hmm. how many months now?
2: Uh, okay. So I have I moved here last November, pero my classes started in September. I mean, honestly, that was, uh, it was such a complicated process I, because, you know, last, obviously we all know, last year was really, really bad year for everyone. And then, siempre I was planning to move to Italy when the pandemic happened, like Italy was the hot spot for Covid, and I wasn't even sure if I could leave for Italy. Uh, but thankfully, I was able to leave the Philippines and move here. I mean, despite being a little a couple of months late to I mean, classes already started in September, and I only moved here in November. But I guess it's a good thing that our classes were all online, so it didn't really matter.
1: Oh, I see. So of course based on Clem and my experience studying abroad mm-hmm. of course when we arrive we immediately could go around right go around travel mm, yeah. around <laughs> um of course that's some let's just admit right when we get to a, when we when we go to another country to study part of that is actually hanging out trying to see like see places and Um, experience, food and culture. Like Mm -hmm. the first time I arrived in Japan as a student, um, I immediately went to the museums, went to the parks, you know, just to Mm -hmm. see, uh, you know, the sense of like the spirit of the place. So how was it like, right? How was it like as the pandemic was happening and you're in the middle of like, you know, you just got into your masters and you're in the middle of it in a foreign country? Right? yeah the academic setup
2: okay so well one major change was that all of our classes were online so that in itself was so was not what i was hoping but i mean what can you do like you don't really have a choice but i still wanted to go because i mean the opportunity uh was already there so why not i just took it but i i remember when i first got here in November, that was during uh I think that was the second wave of COVID here in Italy. And when I got here, like everything was closed, everyone was locked down, I couldn't leave, like all the restaurants were I mean, like I said, everything was closed. So I couldn't explore this new city or this new home. So I, I was just stuck to my little apartment. And then I had to attend class in front of my laptop. And it was it it honestly, it was very Difficult, because one I'm in a new country and I want to explore and experience new things, but I can't because I'm just stuck at home attending class, but thankfully, some of my classmates were already here in Milan, so like in between classes or like after classes, we would still meet up, and at least I got to meet some of my classmates, albeit not everyone, you know, so.
1: Of course, when you arrived also in Italy, um, that was, yeah, as you mentioned, um, November 2020, right? So that's yeah. kind of like, you know, there were still, especially in Italy, there was like a spike in cases and it was like yeah. a whirlwind of, yeah. So how often do you go to class physically and how, um, I guess, how often do you do online class classes in a week?
2: Um Well, for at least for my course, Lighting Design, uh, before classes started or before the semester started, they already said, okay, um, your course will be entirely online, like there's no possible way for you to go to the campus to attend class because the campus will be closed. So it was purely online. But my classes were every day from Monday to Friday, just like a normal, you know like a normal master's degree, like everyday class, and then you would have all the other requirements needed for it. But I mean, it was just more difficult because it was online. And you also had to deal with classmates who were not here in Italy. So you had to deal with the time difference and like just to meet up about projects was a task in itself.
1: Oh. Oh, so some some of your classmates didn't pursue to go to Italy when it during the pandemic. They they opted to stay in their home city or home country.
2: Mm-hmm. Yes, mo- uh, I think we were only five here in Milan, five out of twenty. So the other fifteen were either somewhere around Italy or somewhere else in the world. You know, so but it wasn't really their choice also because i have a classmate from brazil she couldn't leave because brazil was always on the no travel list of any european country even until now i think they can't even leave or get to italy so that's the thing so she i I mean i was lucky enough to leave but she is still there uh, unfortunately for her and she really wanted to go here so
1: so actually i could um relate to you because i i left I also left for the U.K. Um, mm-hmm. around November 2020 as well um, to get oh. married, right? Yeah, oh, okay. so um, yeah. So actually at that time when um, we were confused, right, with the, the rules, it's like you're yes. saying it's not, you're not allowed to go out of the country. Actually, mm-hmm. overall, since the beginning of the lockdown in Manila, they already said other countries cannot come in. But yeah. the outgoing is like on and off. You can w- go out in a certain condition that you're like, in your case, you're studying. Or mm-hmm. in my case, I'm getting married. So there are certain, you know, the, the, there were a lot of gray areas in the, ru- um, in the rules from Manila side, yes. going to another country. <laughs> so how you, how did you go through the motions?
2: Okay. One reason for, I remember, gosh because the rules kept changing. Like they said, okay, nobody can leave or nobody can enter Italy. And then come like June, I think they said, okay, you can come to Italy if you're this, that, and whatever. Like for example, a a student. And then they came out with another list of rules about like only which countries can enter. And then if you're from this country, you need to do this and that. So it was really, it was, it was such a chaotic time, and then the other thing was I. So I applied for my visa really late because the visa center was closed. So when I uh, when I was trying to contact the visa center, but they were closed, and then when they finally opened again, I asked for an appointment, which was not the easiest considering everyone's still working from home and whatever. I think I was able to contact the Visa Center August. They gave me an appointment for the visa in October. And then I, I was lucky that when I submitted everything, they didn't ask for anything more. So the visa processing was pretty quick. So I mean, that, that was uh, a really, <laughs> I can't even begin to explain how chaotic that was. but. Yeah. Like, so, that's why I ended up arriving late to Italy. I mean, classes already started. And I really wanted to leave because when classes started, I remember, gosh, this was September. So, my classes Italian time was at 1 p.m. to 5 p.m., I think. or But since I was in the Philippines, the time difference was like plus 6. So, my classes started at 7 p.m. and ended up, you know, really late. <laughs> It was such a struggle, like the struggle was real. I remember my classes would end at 1 a.m. and I had to do other, you know, project works and meet up with my group. So it was really stressful. That's why I really, really wanted to leave because I could not continue this, you know. And among all my classmates, I was the one that had the, the worst schedule. Like I was the farthest away from Italy. So my Time difference was really big, unlike the others because some of them, but most of them were already in Europe, and then some were in Dubai, so the time difference wasn't that big. So that was also one motivation for me to leave because I could not, I, I like, couldn't survive like the entire course being online and being at home because it, it was just not. I, yeah, the struggle was real, basically.
0: But when you were in Milan, you mentioned earlier that you were doing some socialization with your classmates. How often do you do that in the middle of the pandemic? How did you do the setup of meeting with new friends, new classmates? Okay, so thankfully, the restrictions here in
2: Italy, they kind of eased towards December. So I was at least able to go out. And meet my classmates. Since it was all online, we obviously we we had like a WhatsApp group for the class. So we were like we were talking like, hey, who's in Milan? Like, let's meet up. Like, I want to see you guys. Blah blah blah. So usually we would go out to since restaurants were so close. We would go to like a friend's apartment, you know, and then just buy prosecco or like spritz and whatever from the grocery, and then we'll just drink in the apartment. So I mean, that was like our little bubble because we weren't really meeting anyone else but just us five or us four so but eventually like come the new year things started easing again and then restaurants started to open again so we were finally able to go out and some of my other classmates especially the italians they finally moved here into milan because they were elsewhere in italy you know so i was able to meet them as well and then things just started getting better eventually and we probably meet up minimum of twice a week yeah uh like last night like friday night i was out with my friends and we were just having our little aperitivo (laughs) so it's become like a weekly habit which i love so much
1: (laughs) so you meet up with friends classmates in the same school okay does it feel to meet up with people given that there's a there's a looming pandemic around the corner especially with the cases in italy like is there a fear or how is the culture there in terms of approaching the the pandemic
2: (laughs) okay uh well when we first met like we were all very cautious like Even if it was winter, like we kept the windows open just so that it wasn't an enclosed space. Um, But we were all very cautious, like we kept, we all had our masks, blah, blah, blah. But since we kept meeting regularly, like we became a little more comfortable. And also because the culture here, I mean, the way the Europeans treated like this whole pandemic, it was like, like, okay, like just be a little cautious, but, it wasn't as bad as Manila, if that makes sense. Like people would still invite their friends over and whatever, I know that's bad. And that wasn't really the correct way of doing things. But uh, I remember there was this one time we were in the strictest restrictions because the restrictions here are color coded. So it's red, orange, yellow, and white. Uh, We were in the red zone again like because they eased it and then they put it back but the Italians were like no I mean not again the red zone again but like people were not giving a crap about the restrictions and whatever because they thought like no but you're restricting us and whatever so since that was what everyone was doing like you kind of get influenced by it I mean yes people were still cautious but at the same time they still wanted to have their social time, meeting people, and whatever. So I, I know it's not correct, but but that, I mean, I can't even explain it because that's how it is here. I
1: don't know. Yeah, actually, um, it's no different from England. So I was in the UK from November up until um, April, and mm-hmm. um, I noticed in, I guess, less densely populated areas because I'm not in the city. So that time I wasn't in the city. I was more, I was more exposed to like the suburban area, which had a lot of fields, you know, lots of fields, hills and things. So I guess, and of course, um, I guess in some of the areas of the UK, there isn't much um, multi-generational housing. So usually in one household, there's one family. lives there. Mm -hmm. But I guess in a lot of Asian cultures, like there are multiple family members from multiple generations who live in one household. So it's a different Mm -hmm. culture. So so, so a lot of people were allowed to go out uh, on the basis that they should um, exercise. So you're allowed to exercise. And of course all of us eventually got into some hobbies like biking or cycling as they would call it or I'm hiking in the hills and things running. So from Manila, right? You came from Manila and then you went to Italy. Mm-hmm. So what is the difference in city behavior in the midst of the pandemic between like between Manila who wears like paid, apart from wearing face shields and masks in Manila to Italy with maybe just a mask or sometimes mm-hmm. distances yeah. apart. But um yeah. do did your activities change? Um, did you have a new set of hobbies that kind of emerged during the pandemic? You, do you reckon mm-hmm. that something changed? Or um, maybe you've gathered stories from them that, oh, before it was like this, and now it's yeah. so much different?
2: Well, yes, it's true that they weren't really strict. Of, well, if you wore a face shield here, you would be looked at and stared at, like, why are you wearing a face shield? Because nobody wears one. It's just a face mask. Uh, And then social distancing, honestly, to be fair to the Italians, they were really following it because you had these stickers on the floor and on the metro, like you couldn't sit right next to each other. You had to be like at least a meter apart, like while waiting in line at the grocery. If someone was a little too close, they would just tell them if you could step back a bit. They were, to be fair, they were really cautious about that. But. I think they were more cautious about that towards strangers. But if it was like friends or family, it was like, no, come, come here to my house. Let's have an aperitivo, blah, blah, blah. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I guess it, that's one thing that shocked me, to be honest. When I first got here, it was like the the, the way they, how do you say it? Uh, like the way they looked at this pandemic, it was like, Yes, it was serious, but it wasn't as, how do you say it? I don't want to say as, it wasn't as serious as, you know, how other countries were taking it. But I think it also helps that, yes, Milan is a pretty densely populated city, but you also have so much space. Like, whenever I'm walking on the street, it's usually just me. So, like, social distancing wasn't really a problem, so it was okay. I think they were just like if it happens it happens you know because <laughs> that's so bad but no because they had a really reliable healthcare uh system that's why they were really confident in their healthcare system like if it happens then I it. okay I think that's that was one major thing about the at least how they looked at it like if it happens then okay then hopefully I don't die or whatever you know <laughs> it, 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 it's so bad to say <laughs> but <laughs> that was kind of how they were thinking it's so it's completely different from how people in the Philippines are thinking
0: I think personally um there's a big comparison on how like the mindset and also the present and existing facilities between Mm -hmm. the two countries like you mentioned the healthcare facilities would be very different in terms of level and um I think quality or availability of healthcare facilities between the two countries, and maybe I would want to emphasize on the the infrastructure in the city. Would be very much different in between the Philippines mm-hmm. and Italy. Like I would imagine when I was there, there are a lot of greeneries, there are a lot of mm-hmm. trees, there are a lot of open spaces where you could do social distancing, and maybe you could still enjoy the the trees, the parks, yeah. and do exercises. But here, yeah, that's it's, true. it's not very much available in, 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 at least in Manila, at least in Metro Manila. And when you walk yeah, on the streets, true. people are just with you, you know, and, and public transportation. It, in public transportation, yeah. it's, almost, it's almost impossible to do social distancing, social distancing. in public
2: transportation. Yeah, that's true. Yeah,
0: yeah I now, agree. That's yeah. true. Yeah, but now things are now easing down and restrictions are now starting to be, be lifted and you mentioned a lot of things that that actually changed in the middle of say november and and mm-hmm. january december and in fact there are a lot of activities happening in milan now which is very exciting <sighs> like yes there are a lot Thank of a lot of activities especially the design week there's the fashion week that is coming up ahead Mm -hmm. what's happening around there and how did they change?
2: Okay. So yes, like you said, this month is very full of activities. I mean, last week was Milan design week. Uh, This week is Milan art week. Next week is Milan fashion week. So you have so many activities and I think they can afford to do these things because majority of the population, at least here in uh, Milan, I think in, in Italy as well, um, a lot of us are fully vaccinated. Even me, thankfully I was able to get the vaccine. So that's, that is really one major change. That's why they're so confident about opening up again, especially towards tourists, but tourists only within Europe, you know, like it's not exactly open to everyone else. So um, since the vaccine, because they started the vaccine rollout in January, uh, they started with the really old, I mean, Italy has a really old population. So they. I remember looking at the age brackets of when you can get the vaccine. Uh, I think in January, it was only those who really were frail and had some medical conditions. And then when they started opening it up to the others, like the age gap was like from 70 to 75, from 60 to 70, and then 50 to blah, blah, blah. And then, uh, come May, they opened it up to like my age group, which was thirty and above. Uh, so, um, I think that's why they're confident about doing these activities now. Because not only here in Milan, like also in, I think last weekend was the F one in Monza, which is near Milan. So they were really pushing to open up everything again, because they were confident that most of the people were already vaccinated. And what's nice about, at least here in uh, the EU, they have this thing called the Green Pass, which is a European-wide uh, thing. So it's a QR code that you scan, and then when you scan it, it'll show you all the details of like the vaccine you took, but dates, how many doses did you take, your name, blah, blah, blah. So it's all very unified in that sense so like if for example if i were to go to like germany to france or whatever i can still use that green pass and it would still be valid so i guess that's why and actually <laughs> to be honest they cannot afford uh, another lockdown where everything closes because they really need to boost the economy because italy isn't really doing well in that sense so they really want to uh welcome outsiders outsiders meaning within europe so see that's why that's why they have all these activities right now um i'm not sure if you remember clem but uh design week is actually every April uh, but still but during April the vaccine rollout wasn't to the majority of the population yet it was still the seniors and whatever so that's why they pushed it all the way to September because they knew that by then like uh, I think now, I don't even know anyone who's not yet vaccinated, to be honest. So that's why they pushed it towards, like, summer, so that, okay, everyone get the vaccine first, and then let's do this thing, so we can all gather together. Because, <laughs> to be honest, when I was at, like, the different exhibits and events for Design Week, like, COVID Who? Like, uh, who is she? Like, social distancing, what? (laughs) I mean, you just had to wear your masks indoors. But when you're outside, it's okay to be maskless, you know, because they're really confident about the vaccine.
1: So I see everyone is already vaccinated. So I guess little by little, they're easing a lot of maybe um, opening a lot of events and um, Mm -hmm. places like restaurants are open, right? And
2: yes, yes. So everything is open again. Also, they have this rule here in Europe, or at least in Italy. I'm not sure about the other countries. Uh, If you don't have the green pass that I mentioned earlier, you cannot enter these set places. So you're really forced to take the vaccine. And then, but if you don't want to get vaccinated and you don't have the green pass, you can get a swab test for free if you want. But I mean, okay. who would want to get a swap test every week just to go to a different event? You know, so mm-hmm. so they so really enforce it. this, um, like these rules, just so that they can open up again and force—well, not really force. Okay, force is not the correct term, but uh, but actually, in a way, yes, force people to <laughs> take the vaccine because if you don't have the vaccine, you can't do anything.
1: <laughs> I guess it's a policy instrument, so to speak, right? <laughs> Yeah, so true. so at this point could you already go to class you know um, could you go to May. school physically
2: since my uh, lectures ended in May I don't have to attend class anymore but uh, school just started like this week so everyone is back to class like from primary to tertiary and you know post grad so everyone is doing their in presence class right now so good for them I mean I wasn't able to experience that but good for them <laughs>
1: But in your case, you're currently in your internship, right?
2: Yes, that's correct. Uh, yeah.
1: Mm-mm. So my, how is so that? was that? How was the transition?
2: Uh, so in the studio that I work since, everything is in presence. Uh, it was quite strange to be in an office again, uh, if that makes sense. Uh, because like you have the social interaction amongst colleagues, which was something I missed. So it, it was a nice change because when at least when my internship started, uh, that was in July. So I was already vaccinated for my first dose, but my colleagues were already fully vaccinated. So I, it, it was really, it, 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 they were really more comfortable about it. And here, because I, I don't know about the other studios or offices, but the office setting here, like it's in an apartment that they just converted into a studio. So all of the windows were always open. So at least there's, you know, air circulating. So it it was okay that it was in presence. Um, Although even if we're vaccinated, the mask is still a requirement uh, inside the office. So, I mean, it's not like we put all our guards down. You know, we still have these little restrictions that we still follow and people are, to be fair, they're pretty okay about it. I mean, it's okay if you still wear a mask. At least you're in presence and still doing the work because it's on. It's really hard to... I can't imagine how you guys do it. Like, work uh, online uh, every day, you know, it, it, it's really difficult to do, I guess.
1: So given the whirlwind of... Um, experiences of course you you came over to Italy in the midst of a pandemic Um, what is your advice to new students would you recommend at this point that they should study or they they should go to yeah masters or um, yeah maybe I'll have you elaborate on it shortly Um, and what is your advice what is your advice to them like how do they wait it out how soon? Is it now? Or? Mm.
2: OK. First of all, yes, I would encourage to those who are interested or to those who actually want to try to go and study abroad because it's so different. It really opens. It's so cliche and it sounds like a basic thing to say, but it really opens your mind to things, you know, uh, to actually study, live, and work in a different country. Uh, so yes. Uh, go for it, honestly. Uh, Studying again is not the best thing to do after being in the workforce for X number of years. But I mean, studying abroad, I mean, the whole class thing is just like a little part of your whole experience abroad, you know, because you get to meet new people, you get to experience new things. But yes, uh, the pandemic was a difficult thing to I really doubted myself. Like, should I even go? Like, what's the point? Blah blah blah. But I still pushed for it because, I mean, the opportunity was already there. And if I missed this opportunity, maybe if I postponed it, maybe I wouldn't have gone. In the end, you know. So, since the opportunity was there to go, I took it and left. Funny story, actually. Uh, I was just watching my friend's Instagram stories. Uh, Last year, he asked me about uh, studying abroad. Like. uh, like, how did you do it? Like, um, is it okay to study even during the pandemic? And I was telling him, go, if you have the chance now, just go and do it. Uh, and then we haven't talked in a while. And then I was just watching his Instagram stories this morning. And he arrived in Spain and he's studying uh, for his master's. And I was like, oh, you're fine. You finally left. Thank you. I mean, I'm so happy for you. I, it's a good thing you pushed for it. So it, it's not hard. it's not easy to be honest it's not easy to like uproot your life or whatever especially during this pandemic but if not now then when you know because if you're gonna postpone it now when the time comes you know you might postpone it again and then eventually you might not even do it if you can if you have the resources go for it but at the same time there are so many scholarships available unfortunately for me i wasn't able to take one but there are a lot of scholarships available especially for people from third world countries so take that use that advantage because we're from a third world country because people actually want to help you mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh i remember like googling scholarships for blah, blah blah and like from the philippines or whatever kind of scholarship you know so
0: all right, thank you very much for sharing your story with us. I think that was very fun, and that was really <laughs> uh, an interesting story to tell. Probably when you grow older, you will share this with friends, with family members, and you'll just laugh things out like this. And yeah, I survived moving to Italy to study in the middle of the pandemic, and that is a good and interesting story to hear. And thank you very much for sharing that to us and also to our listeners. So before we let you go, we'd like to ask you this question that we always ask to our guests here in our podcast. So for you personally, what is your glaring question about architecture, city, and people?
2: Is it okay if I ask a question um, directed towards you too? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is it Okay. Okay, so because I know you two, you both are professors at UST where we all studied. Like, because I can't imagine what it's like to go back and teach like your wisdom to, you know, young people. So, what is it like to go back to the same university you studied and to teach like, you know, these younger people, like the things that you've learned through your experiences, especially since both of you have? uh studied abroad and whatever so i'm just curious like what is it what is it like
0: all right for for me personally going back to the same university where i studied it puts me in a different perspective and i take that as an opportunity for me to share what i learned especially since i finished my masters abroad and Mm -hmm. to to give them opportunities and give them light and hope probably that there's a bigger opportunity for them and that Mm -hmm. there's a bigger world out there and there are these opportunities that you cannot see probably here in the Philippines since of course we have very compare comparing in Milan in Manila there's a big difference between that those uh Mm -hmm. built environments so I think personally I'm really grateful for, for having the opportunity to share my knowledge and share my wisdom to to the students. And that I put that among myself to inspire, hopefully inspire the mm-hmm. students to, you know, explore other possibilities and try new things and hopefully become better architects, even better than me in the future. So that is mm-hmm. my personal take on on that. How about you, I?
1: Well, in my situation, I was actually doing um, seminars or holding some small seminars or sometimes one-on-one with, like, sometimes they're not necessarily students or undergraduate students in the College Mm -hmm. of Architecture. Um, I started out in, um, actually, sustainability seminars, particularly Mm -hmm. for LEED, so... Sometimes I would um, coach some people and walk them through the process of taking lead or trying to navigate their way into that niche, for example. Yeah, and I found myself appreciating like that light, you know, that their eyes are lit when you yeah. when you teach them the reaction that you get from them is priceless Mm -hmm. you know the the reaction is you know they feel like they were enlightened and you can see it in their eyes like oh it's it's like a light bulb moment and um, I felt that I was able to convey and able to convince them to and efficiently and effectively walk them through the path to sustainable architectural practices so that led me to um, thinking, um, because I came from a corporate setup, Uh, I came from a corporate job. So, of course, I've experienced the ups and downs in working in a corporate setup. And I felt that this part was like, it felt like I was happy. I was happy that, you know, I'm able to touch somebody's life and, Mm -hmm. in a sense, improve their lives in the smallest way that I can. So I thought about it and suddenly I'm like, what if I just try and apply Mm. and what better way than being in the university that I came from, right? Um, Like try and maybe in a way I thought about it as giving back to the university that taught me architecture. Right, yeah. so it, it was kind of like recycle in a sense. I'm sustainable. Like I have <laughs> Like, like there's like a cradle to cradle process. It's not. It yeah. doesn't end there. That I graduated from that architecture school from that institution and just leave it at that. So in a way, I felt that this was giving back to them, mm. and the fact that we Clem and I are kind of harnessing them to the potential, like to their up- utmost potential to me, I guess, makes me feel happy. So, that's, yeah. I mean, it's a, um, it's a small thing, but I think, to me, that's a big thing. It, it, in a way, personally, it gives me purpose. And then, at their side of the fence, gives them, you know, makes them re- recognize their potential. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that's, that's that, actually. Okay,
2: it's honestly really admirable and inspiring to hear, like, why you guys decided to go back into the university and teach
0: younger students yeah and and we hope that we could also we could still reach more students more people especially with this podcast because Mm -hmm. we would want to you know share that the things that we learned and also the things that our guests could could share also to other people and this Mm -hmm. podcast is actually a good venue for sharing new knowledge and experiences for people
1: so William, thank you so much for joining us in the show thank you very
0: much
2: <laughs> Well, thank you for inviting me i mean when clem messaged me about it i was like wait what am i going to talk about i don't know what i don't know anything <laughs> no but seriously thank you so much for having me well, that I mean, was fun great, that was fun this is a great interview so thank you guys thank
0: you thank you.